Yes, of course, uh, this can be recorded. That's fine with me. I just uh, repeat that I can't give you permission to distribute it. Okay. So I want to start with uh, reading you something. We'll uh, read something from St. Paul's second letter to Thessalonians. I'm just going to read chapter 2. And we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and of our gathering together unto him, that you be not easily moved from your sense, nor be terrified, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by epistle, as sent from us, as if the day of the Lord were at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for unless there come a revolt first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and is lifted up above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as if he were God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth, that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity already worketh, only that he who now holdeth do hold, until he be taken out of the way. And then that wicked one shall be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus shall kill with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Him whose coming is according to the working of Satan, in all power and signs and lying wonders, and in all seduction of iniquity to them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Therefore God shall send them the operation of error to believe lying, that all may be judged who have not believed the truth, but have consented to iniquity. But we ought to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of God, for that God hath chosen you firstfruits unto salvation, in sanctification of the Spirit and faith of the truth. Whereunto also he hath called you by our gospel under the purchasing of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, and hold the traditions which you have learned, whether by word or by epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God and our Father, who hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation, good hope, and grace, exhort your hearts, and confirm you in every good work and word. So that's St. Paul's letter from the second the second letter to the Thessalonians, and that's chapter 2. And... Uh, I'm just going to make remarks all over the place with this. So we'll, and this is uh, just my commentary. So let's keep that clear. In verse 14, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have learned, whether by word or by epistle. There's nothing new. The teaching of the church that's the context of public revelation ended with the death of Saint John the Apostle, and since then. Everything is just a reflection on that. On the, so we've got all, everything we need. There's nothing new. And if we hear something new, it's not the teaching of the church. So we don't have to worry about that. It doesn't really matter who it comes from. And so at any time, this is important to realize because we have, without going into all the historical reasons for it, we have an extraordinary situation uh, where so many people think that everything and anything that comes out of, let's say, the Pope's mouth or a letter is, is something that instantly we have, if we believe one thing and he, change, he says something, we have to believe another. He's only the Pope. 
And I'm not making light of him because he is the Pope, but he's only the Pope. So, for example, if he decides to change the Lord's Prayer, it's the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Pope's Prayer. If he decides to try to change the teaching of the natural law and the death penalty, uh, it's not, it, that doesn't have anything to do with his power. It's, it's completely outside his scope of authority. But it's easier to not look at the Pope and just reflect that the high priests were the exact equivalent. So, would we want to walk with Caiaphas when he made the decisions he made? If we knew that's our Lord, why would we follow Caiaphas? We have to follow the truth. And that's what St. Paul is saying here a little earlier. So we pray for him if he's going one way, but we don't worry about it. I've said this many times. But when people get all agitated about things that are going on, I tell them, go to the Stations of the Cross, and when you're done, come and get me and take me to the station that has the Pope and all the bishops. And once you reflect on that a little while, you go, oh, wait a minute, they weren't there. Because they weren't. We had one bishop there. So we've seen this kind of thing before. And we don't know how it'll end with any of them. I mean, St. Peter's a great saint. Uh, so are the other apostles, except for Judas. Uh, but they weren't there. And that's the point. And we want to be there. We're, where's there? With Our Lady and Our Lord. Okay. So, in terms of error, it says, uh, it talks, St. Paul talks about the operation of error here. Who is it sent to? To the that people that do not believe the truth, that they don't love the truth. So in other words, they know something's true, but they don't want to believe it. This is not the same as ignorance. Everybody's ignorant just on different things. Ignorance, you're, 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 you're in bliss. You don't know something, there you are. You know, I didn't know that. And then you find out. But the, but what, what the operation of error goes to people that don't want to accept the truth. By the way, refusing the known truth is one of the sins against the Holy Ghost. You want to black, darken your intellect instantly, that's, that's one of the best ways possible. And it's extremely dangerous, as we all know, about sins against the Holy Ghost. But anyway, that's the operation of error. And we can see this raging in our society. At any time in history, it's there at certain levels. I just, uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything this spectacular before, like uh, uh, the, the global level of, of uh, the operation of error. That, as I'm talking, just I'm picking things out. Now, St. Paul is writing to the people in Thessalonica, and he tells them to remember what he told them. Well, if you look in the Acts of the Apostles, I forget exactly what, what chapter, but it turns out he was there for two Sabbaths. So anywhere from two weeks to maybe almost four weeks, and yet he taught them all these things, including about the end of the world. So that's very, very interesting. But he says... So just relax, don't worry. The day of the Lord is not at hand, he's telling the people. Because first there's some things that have to happen. A revolt was apostasia in, in, in the Greek, in what St. Paul wrote in. So that unless there's an apostasy or a departure first. Now it's interesting because that departure in, in the Father's commentaries has two, has two significations. One is a departure from the, the, the rule of the Roman Empire, and the other is departure from the faith. We'll come to this. Why would that matter about the Roman Empire? We'll come to that in a little while. So he says, uh, don't relax, it's not happening. And he says, that has to happen. And the man of sin has to be real, the son of perdition. And this he's talking about the Antichrist. And he says, so, and he talks about him saying the temple of God, etc., etc. But he says, uh, now you know what withholdeth, that he may be revealed in his time. For the, and he talks, now that he that holdeth do hold, till he be taken out of the way. So there's something withholding the Antichrist. Now, this has been an interesting, uh, uh, let's say, scriptural puzzle, if you want to call it. That's probably not the right word. It's been a, a discussion since the time of the fathers. And it's uh, the, the, who is the 
takatekon or the hakatekon, which is uh, the two Greek words here. And I'm probably not saying him like a real Greek scholar would be, but anyway, that's the withholder or the restrainer. And and the restrainer can be understood, it, it, because of the two Greek words, it can be understood as a man or as a system except in an instance I'll get to here in a sec. And so when you read the fathers, in Movenda, I've mentioned Movenda many times, but Thomas Movenda was this great uh, uh, Dominican scholar that lived in late 1500s, early 1600s, and he published the magisterial work on the Antichrist, De Antichristo, it's 1300 pages, and uh, he has detailed commentaries on who this restrainer might be. And I'm just going to use, I'm going to refer to him and to some other commentators and, and give you my opinion. And I want to underline it. My opinion. Now, one of the things he says is, uh, and it's the fathers, and you'll read this, if you read many scripture con- commentaries by Catholics, it's, uh, it's very, very common. They talk about it's the Roman Empire and the Roman Emperor as the restrainer, because that was a principle of order. And they thought he was going to hold order till the end of the world. And we can see that. They also have that idea very clearly from the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, you have two places where you see the Roman Empire. Uh, you have the, when, when Nebuchadnezzar has the dream and he calls in all his magicians and they can't, he wouldn't tell them what the dream is. And then Daniel comes in, the prophet Daniel, and he tells them what the dream is and explains it. But the dream is that giant statue with a head of gold and like a chest of silver and a waist of, uh, of, uh, of, of bronze and then legs of iron. And those are the empires, starting with the, 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 the Nebuchadnezzar's, the, the Babylonian empire of the Chaldeans. Then you had the Persian empire. So the Babylonians, gold, the Persians, silver, the 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 Greeks, uh, you know Alexander the Great and company in the in the in the bronze, and then the Romans in the iron. And then he has later on, uh, I want to say it's chapter seven. He has a a vision. Daniel has a vision. He has vision of these four beasts that stand for the empires. And the fourth beast uh, is this is this kind of a monster that that stomps everything down till the end of the world and hold. So it's a principle of order, keeping chaos from rising up. Okay, so the Roman Empire, you read that and you go, well, that's really interesting, but, uh, you know, uh, so what? Until I was reading Malvenda here uh, about six months ago, and I go, oh, wow, that really made me sit up and, and, and pay attention. Because until then, I thought, that's really interesting, but I don't see the application. But Malvenda points out, you know, because of the prophecy of the fathers, and he goes through, it kind of exhausts you, all the fathers, he's saying that, that, that this is how it's going to be till the end of the world. But he does say something, and then I'm going to explain a little more. But he says they don't necessarily mean that the apostasy will happen immediately when the Roman Empire disappears. So they're talking about the Roman Empire, whether apostasy will take place immediately after the uh, the vanishing of the Roman Empire or shortly thereafter. And uh, anyway, so that's still kind of like, okay. But then he points out, wait, the Roman Empire... Spiritually speaking, when when Constantine went to Constantinople, that's the Roman Emperor ruling from Constantinople, and it goes on, and it and 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 so the Byzantine Empire, Byzantium, that was the Roman Empire, but until uh, roughly the the late seven hundreds, there was one emperor that died, and I don't know who it is right now, but his wife decided to rule the empire. 
And the people of Rome said, no thanks, and elected an emperor. And that's Karl, Charlemagne. So all of a sudden they elected a German to be the emperor. And at that point he became the Holy Roman Emperor. And so spiritually then the Holy Roman Emperor is the Roman Emperor. That's how, that, that's how it works. So it moved there. And then and he's going through them all till he's in the early 1600s. He's listing them all. Well, what's really interesting, if you read a little more history, is the Holy Roman Empire lasted until Napoleon, and then they changed their name to the Austrian-Hungarian Empire because uh, Napoleon didn't really want much competition. And, uh, and so you have the Austrian-Hungarian Empire and the Austrian-Hungarian Emperor. Uh, so, but they're still filling the same, filling the same role. And we see that going on. What was World War One fought over? That was a great, if you want to say, apostasy from the Roman Empire in, in the spiritual sense because it was destroyed. World War One is the end of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire and it's, it's torn into shreds and all those little Balkan kingdoms and Austria here and, and Hungary and so forth. And then the emperor is dragged out. Blessed Karl von Habsburg is taken off to Madeira and, and, and dies in, in April of 1920, April 1st, 1922. And then the crown prince, uh, Otto, dies in uh, about, he died in 2012. The empress Zita, she died in 1989. So they, they last, in, in that sense, the last emperor, the last Roman emperor, spiritually speaking, is almost 100 years ago. And uh, the Roman Empire, spiritually speaking, disappeared in the war, so just over 100 years ago. So that would be one sense that the decessio, or this apostasy, or this breaking away, or this revolt, that the empire, you no longer have that guy. Now, they also talk about the Pope and the, and the clergy of Rome. Now, this is significant, because I'm going to come right back to that, but hold your thought. And Boniface VIII wrote a letter to the Holy Roman Emperor talking about the two swords. And he said, St. Peter had two swords. He says, there's one in the, for the civil order. And he told the emperor, that's what you hold, so you control the civil order. But the, the, the Pope is above that, and he's in the spiritual order, and so he holds the sword for the spiritual order. So you have two principles of order in, in, in the world in that way. You have the, the Holy Roman Emperor... Or that we just and his empire, and you have the Pope. Now, to, what the, the, they're not talking about that when when you read in in Malvenda, uh, he's, he points out that one of the one of the opinions on this is that this lasts until you have until the Pope and the Roman clergy depart from the faith, and then that would be the apostasy in that order. You say, well, that's a little bit interesting because that's that's what's restraining it. Because we're watching something like this. If it isn't exactly that, it's exactly as close as we've ever seen, right before our, our very eyes right now. I mean, you know. So on the other hand. Now, there's another candidate. So these are two candidates. So the other candidate is St. Michael the Archangel. The, the words that St. Paul's using, he's refer- it's, it's, there's phrases in the book of Daniel from chapter 10 to chapter 12 that also... Uh, that, that line up with what what St. Paul's saying here, and that's speaking about St. Michael the Archangel. Now, there, in, in a, a commentary by Pratt on St. Paul's theology, which is a Catholic commentary, there's stuff on this, but the, the best paper I've found on this, uh, interestingly enough, is by a, a Protestant, uh, Colin Nicole, I think is his name. I think he's an Oxford-trained uh, uh, Anglican. So it's extraordinary that you have this, where he's talking about their strainer being St. Michael, and he makes the case very convincingly. So, then you have an angel that's the restraint. And I've, I've picked these three, and there's other possibilities. These are the three that I picked, but you'll see why. 
So, in the one hand, you, you have the Roman Emperor and the, the Roman Empire, so which issues in the Holy Roman Emperor and the Holy Roman Empire, which issues in the Austrian Hungary. Okay, so that's the civil order, and, and that's gone. You have the, the Pope and the Roman Church, and that's in the, the, the spiritual order, and that's in trouble. And then you have St. Michael. Well, what's interesting is you can see from the time of Constantine, Constantine uh, and uh, the, the empire, the, the guardian angel is St. Michael. St. Michael is the guardian angel of the, the Holy Roman Emperor. So not just the one in Byzantium, but the Holy Roman Emperor and the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, St. Michael the Archangel is also the guardian angel of the Pope and the, and the Catholic Church. So you can see St. Michael stands above these other two things in that way. So he's the spiritual prince over these two things in this order, if that makes sense. So how, I mean, he's an angel, but I mean, so in theory, in my theory, once there's no Roman Empire, no Roman Emperor, he can't really have order working through that means, you know, with St. Michael. And once the Pope decides to depart from the faith, because St. Michael, in a certain sense, is bound by him because Christ our Lord gave the Pope the power to bind and loose. What he binds on earth is bound in heaven. So St. Michael, the archangel, it's certainly an archangel and can do, you know, has, it's not like he's not more powerful in a certain, as an angel per se, but it's basically like he's a general sitting on his horse looking at the thing because he's not allowed to engage in the battle right now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So this is my theory. It doesn't bother me if people reject it, but that's my theory for who the restrainer is. And when he quits restraining, then the chaos can rise up. When who quits restraining? Saint Michael in the civil order, uh, with because he doesn't those ministers, so to speak, the empire and the the Roman Empire, they're gone for a century, and so there's been nothing but decay in the civil order since World War One. I. I mean that. That's not even debatable. I'm talking in Christendom, you know, but it, it, it extends. Christendom is the salt for the whole world, whereas their, Christendom's gone. And then in a in a spiritual order, I mean, it's been just nothing but sort of spectacular now with with that sort of thing. So we have, I would suggest, a situation where it seems that uh, if if this isn't exactly a great apostasy in both orders, then it's the the great dress rehearsal for him. I I can't I couldn't envision what else the great apostasy could be, but I'm not you know. In my mind, it's a great apostasy, but I just want to make it. I want to underline this is my opinion. Although having said that, the popes have been warning us about the apostasy explicitly since the time of Leo the Thirteenth. So now that I say it's my opinion, it's not completely my opinion in that sense. My opinion on how it works is one thing, what, what it, this de- departure. But uh, that, that it's the great apostasy, I think, is... I'm not, I, I haven't seen anything from this particular uh, pontiff, but uh, I found it from almost every pontiff from Leo Thirteenth to Benedict uh, the Sixteenth. So, And uh, sometimes they're explicitly even uh, citing, uh, citing these things in Second Thessalonians. Okay. Depending where we're at, and, and it's not exactly critical to know exactly where we're at. In fact, it would be uh, easy to uh, to really get yourself in trouble because we have to be humble uh, we, in, in that sense. So we're supposed to read the sign of the times, but not expect that we're going to have this angelic knowledge about everything and be able to gather it all up because it would be a good way 
if you get too curious about something, you'll probably find something out, but it won't necessarily be from heaven, if you know what I mean. It's a good way to mislead yourself. So we have to stay humble. So that's why if people don't buy this. That's fine. I don't care. It's, it's, that's I'm saying it's opinion. Now, I'll just shift gears a little bit and talk in a different mode, but the same thing. The, the church goes through the, the passion in, in different places, in different times, in different ways. But it, finally, it'll all culminate at the end. And I just want to give a few examples or ideas to reflect on without uh, without insisting exactly that they, that they are necessarily absolute. But these are reflections. So in terms of like the, the stripping and the scourging, because our Lord, when he was stripped and scourged, he became unrecognizable. You know, he's beat so bad, right? We know that from tradition. I would suggest all the stripping away, the traditions, the local customs, the architecture, the images, the music, the liturgy, all the different things that we've been witnessing here uh, for some time now, would at least in a spiritual sense be akin to that, that part of the Passion. It becomes unrecognizable. The architecture is is just extraordinary. Sometimes you, you, you just it's extraordinary, and I I don't need to comment on any of this. We all know what we're talking. What I mean. So the crowning. I mean, I, I think it's not random that the the name of this virus was Corona. The church was made a mockery of. Uh, the, the the bishops actually uh, closed the doors and in effect excommunicated people around the globe. Well, whilst in this country, Walmart was open, but did the bishops, did they fight to stay open? No. So somehow it's okay for their people to go to Walmart, but it's not okay for their people to go to Holy Mass. And it, it's just a mockery. Even when the governors, like in, I know certainly in Ohio and I think Texas, they're saying, no, this is an essential thing. That had no effect. It, it, it's like a mockery, and it, it's a corona. So that's that's an opinion there. I, I'm not going to develop that. I just want to throw that out there. And right now we have, uh, you know, to go into the Vatican, you have to have the jab. You have to have some kind of green pass thing, you know. We have no king but Pfizer. It's a, a type of denying the known truth. Unless you participate in something evil, you can't come into Rome, into, into the Vatican, unless you participate in something evil. It's, it's, it's just a rejection of Christ in that way. An embracing of one sacrifice at this, an unholy, evil sacrifice. So these are some of the things that one can think on. And if, if that's true, we should expect uh, the carrying of the cross in the not too distant future. And I would suggest we're already seeing that in places. We're, we're seeing it pretty clearly in places. What's going on with the poor people in China? We've talked about that. I mean, that's if that that's certainly carrying the cross for those those people in some sense. Is it the ultimate? I don't know. You know, we'll see. So those are the things we think about in that area. These and I want to say these are guesstimates. They're scenarios. They're not exact ideas. But we can we can sit here and and think about what we know about the Antichrist. The Antichrist, if this is the great apostasy we just heard from St. Paul, that has to happen first before he raises up. You have the operation error in that context of this chaos. We know from tradition too, but I'm not going to, I'm not trying to, I'm just developing ideas here. I'm not going to go into that. But we have all these people in the world that are searching for a peace of heart. 
They're looking for love. They're looking for a father. They're looking for a real king. This is really what what politics does in the whole. In in in, in you see this searching. That's what they're looking for. Someone that they'll be a leader. But the one thing we won't do anywhere is turn to Christ, who's the only one that can bring us the real peace, the real kind of leader, and all. There's leaders. There's always going to be leaders. China has a leader. You know, there's always going to be leaders. That's not an issue. But and there can be a kind of peace. China has a peace inside its borders. I don't think it's a peace that we're interested in because it's if it's a worldly peace and they'd crush you if you were raising up against it. That's that's really really clear. So we have this chaos in the world right now. We have all these people that are so profoundly wounded, not just by all the stuff in society, but now the jab, they, all the all the wounds and all this. And they're sickened and they're wounded by the jab. Their food is not healthy. It's just setting up this whole situation right now. And we're on the brink of war. It'll except it won't be 1914. It'd be 1914 with nukes, you know. So we're in this kind of environment right now where 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 you have these shoving matches between nuclear powers that are extraordinary. So we have all this. It wouldn't surprise me if we don't have a war, uh, you know, because. War is a punishment for sin. Hmm. Scratch, 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 you know. And so we're not looking for Christ at any level, not even in the Vatican. I mean, that's how extraordinary it is right now. They've, they've enthroned a, uh, a, at least a type of the abomination of desolation. When they brought that patchy demon in there, there were no masses on that high altar for about a year. So it's a type. It's a preview of coming attractions in that sense. So we have all this chaos in the world, and it's setting up uh, we have at least a type of a false prophet action going on where there's this sort of save the earth human fraternity move inside the, the church itself that's just extraordinary, that doesn't have anything to do with salvation. All these things are uh, are setting up for someone that will be able to come to rule. And the Antichrist will bring a false peace in the, in the context of chaos. He'll unite mankind in a human fraternity because he'll be able to do that. He's going to be able to heal the sick. Now, that won't be actual miracles, but it'll be hard to tell the difference between those and miracles because angels do know things. And he's going to have the help of the fallen angels to the nth degree. Another thing is, is people can have things in them that were placed there by devils and then it can be taken out and it can look like the biggest miracle of all time. You know, and I can say uh, I know concretely of a case uh, where a priest talked to two people that had been healed by someone that, that thought they had a healing cares and would lay their hands on. So the priest talked to these two people, so they had definitely been healed in some way. And he also talked to the devil in that guy because he was doing exorcisms on him. If that can happen in the little things, how much more in this 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 antichrist? So he'll rule the world. But remember, our Lord's kingdom is not of the world. Our Lord didn't come to rule the world. He ran away when they tried to make him that kind of king. When Pilate asked him, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. This one kingdom will be of this world. And that's the most sure sign right there. Uh, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to come back to say, oh, now I want to rule in a political fashion. He's God. He He never came to do that. He left that to men. And he gave us all the tools we could to make as just an order as can be done in this life. So our Lord will come in a cloud of glory when he comes back. He's not going to come from the earth. He's not a ruler of, of this, this world. When that person arrives, 
guy was gonna, is going to have so much like the perfection, as it were, of satanic power. So you add up all these these people that, that throughout history, that these monsters, and they're all going to be just peewees compared to what he has. He's going to have, um, you know, just this beauty. You don't want to look at him. It's like the forbidden fruit. Eve didn't listen. We want to be careful. You don't want to listen to him. You don't want to, because your desires will be manipulated. He'll be able to control the passions in so many people because they're slaves of their passions. We have to be unattached. Now, there's a really good, uh, to think about this, Father Ripperger has many good things, but especially he has a conference called Our Times Part 3, which is the spiritual preparation. Our Times Part 3, spiritual preparation. It's on census fidelium. And you can, there's plenty of things to think about there uh, in terms of, of being detached. So we want to focus on Christ and Our Lady. Focus on the cross. Not We're not stronger than a fallen angel. So we have to restrain our curiosity in these matters, even looking into it too much. But if he shows up and we have a world ruler, don't watch him. He's going to give a big speech. We don't need to do that. I mean, seriously, what are we? What would people be thinking about? So what should we do? Uh, uh, what kind of things should we do? First off, it's just preparation. And, and, and if we see these things, and as we're seeing these things, everybody... Everybody needs to spend the time, set aside time for quiet prayer, 15 to 20 minutes in a quiet room, and ask themselves questions. If I were to die today, would everything I've done be pleasing to God? Am I letting myself be manipulated by my passions and emotions? Do I have them under control? Am I bitter? or angry, or resentful at anyone or anything for any reason. Why? What, what's my interior state? Is there pain? Is there sadness? Is there sorrow? So I'd work on my healing. I would need to work at my holiness, though, by looking at myself. And this has to be brutal honesty with self. It's so easy to lie about ourselves and point our finger at other things or other things, and, you know, this happened to me or that. Yes, it might have. But look at St. Dismas. He could have got mad about that crucifix that he was nailed to. But that's what made him a saint. He didn't get mad because he was there. He said, no, I deserve this. We deserve this. And he turns to our Lord. That's what we have to do, is our brutal honesty with ourselves. The truth is going to set us free, not soothing lies. This guy's going to be able to soothe, talk about soothing lies. We don't want to be comfortable with lies. So the Antichrist will be pouring out lies like we've never seen. Nobody. He's going to be a seducer like no one has ever seen. Ever. Ever. So we have to put everything disordered that we find ourselves, we should do something like put it in the surrender novena and ask our Lord to come and take care of it. And just do that surrender novena. And when you're done with it, start it again. So it's a perpetual novena. And what you place in it is what needs to be worked on. And you're going to have our Lord take care of it because He is the Lord. See, because we have to, if we stand back and look at it, the whole world is set up for this in a certain way. All these... You know, when you go in the store, like just when I look at the different flavors of crackers, it, it, it's like you go in there to get a cracker and you go, I didn't know there was like 40 of these now. And you stand there. there all, there's different flavors of crackers. There's all these pleasures. All, what is that? It's playing at every possible angle 
in, in, our, in our appetites. And none, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a flavor, but I mean, seriously, what is wrong with us? Do we really need this? Are we that jaded? Answer, yes, because we're that wounded. And these fake loves, you know, we have to get our Lord into this and into our life and be broken free from this bondage that we have so that we minimize our ability to manipulate it at that level, okay? So you want to tie yourselves to Our Lady's apron strings with your rosary. That's just the weapon of choice. And you're over and over, you're saying, pray for us sinners. Pray for our sinners now and at the hour of our death. Pray for us sinners now. That's Our Lady you're asking to do that. That's Our Lady. And you're also making up for the priests. You know, Mass is not mass is God's gift to us. That's why a priest doesn't necessarily, if he's in pastoral work, he has to, but a priest doesn't have to say it every day. But the breviary has to say every day because that's our, what we owe to God. That's owed, God is owed that praise. That That's for God. That it's owed directly, and they're not saying it. But we can make up for it. That's why it's called Our Lady's Psalter. That's why there's 150 uh, uh, Hail Marys. So pray for us, first Hail Mary. That's Psalm 1. Pray for us, second Hail Mary. That's Psalm 2. That's what's happening. Our Lady's doing all that. And we're doing it. We're making reparation for the priests. The thing hinges on priests, like it or not. So we're owed, it's owed to God, and, and we're making reparation for lack of the bravery and so forth. And Our Lady is picking that up. Pray for us. Psalm 1, pray for us, Psalm 2, pray for us, Psalm 3, all the way to Psalm 150, you know. We also have that confidence, because she is in Our, Our Lady, and the end, her immaculate heart will triumph. And we'll see that one way or the other. Either some people will live uh, to see to see things right till the second coming where everybody dies, or some people will die but still see it, you know, in that way. We want to see it from heaven. <laughs> okay. But the question, will there be faith? Will there be faith in the earth when he returns? St. John Paul II had a very great line because he says that's an open question. It's an important thing to think about. Do we believe? Do we believe everything in the creed? Do we really believe? That's another thing to think about during those 15 or 20 minutes. And we need to ask that our faith be firm and as movable as rock. Keep asking for a stronger faith. Because that's the that's like the foundation. You're, you're pouring stem walls, so to speak, and then you build your structure on top of it. So faith, and then hope, and then charity. Charity is the most important. But if your faith is all crumbly, the whole thing can come down. We have to have that faith. We have to really make friends with the saints and the martyrs. We have to ha- we have to really believe in the sacramentals and use them. We have to really make friends with our guardian angel. Because only a fool is going to launch into a battle without any arms or help, you know. And this is what people are, are doing if they think, oh yeah, no, we need heaven. This is way bigger than us. The battles are, are battles that are epic beyond belief. And you want to be careful and not worry. I would say for the most part, what you do is you pray for what the Pope and what's going on, but I won't research it because he's only the Pope. I mean, just like Caiaphas was that... You'd, you'd still pray for him. It doesn't. God will be his judge, not us. We can judge what he does because that's why we have judgment, like when he teaches something. But it's better not even to look into it because there's nothing new. You already got your catechism. You already know what you need to know. And we have to moderate our curiosity and our desire to know things and just stick to what we know and what's good and what's pleasing to God. 
Now, I realize I've gone on for 40 minutes on this. Um, it's, I, I, I'll, I'll kind of end on this kind of thought. It's good to have an awareness of what's going on, but be humble and pray, and you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it. Because if you're looking into things, you're going to find them, but it might not be what you want to find. Don't get caught up in it. And we need to discern. Because what happens, I've noticed on the Internet, is people will send you all kinds, and I don't give too many people my email, but even then sometimes, people start sending you all kind of stuff. Well, first off, even if it was all good, who, who wants to spend that much time going on it? That that in itself is a question. It would probably be better to, to go stand on the rosary for the most part, but we need to discern. And when we get things, I'd use a very good uh, principle the Latin phrase festina lente, which means go fast slowly, or hurry up slowly, or make haste slowly. So festina lente. So they're sending me, I don't need to be in a hurry about this. Why am I in a hurry about this? I'm gonna, if I'm in a hurry, you know, I might go slipping off some cliff I don't want to go off of. I'll just wait and pray, and maybe I'll look at that, and maybe I won't, you know, and I'll just leave that sit. I'm not gonna click on everything that people forward me. Even if it's all good, do I really need all this in my head? You know, I don't have a brain eraser. There's a lot of stuff I don't want in there, so why should I do that? I don't need to go to every video. I don't need to read every article, etc. So I don't need to be searching, looking, and watching, because that's going to get a different appetite going, and then I'm going to have problems when if this character shows up. So I want to pray and be careful and be humble. Trust Our Lady. Tie yourself to your apron springs with rosy. Renew your consecration. And that's where I'd end that. Any questions? Mentioned that the Antichrist, the Jews will believe that he's their Messiah. That's correct. Wouldn't that be a huge clue? I mean, forget all the other stuff. <clears throat> when the Jews unite in following somebody, that's, wouldn't that be a huge clue to say, it, it's, a huge, it's a huge clue. Unfortunately, huge numbers of the Gentiles are also going to do that because they're they're going to roll over on because Christ to a lot of people is is little more than a pious thought for people. Unfortunately, because of their prayer life and on the people that believe, that's one of the things Enoch has to talk to him because so many even the elect will be deceived if they're not careful. That's what our, our Lord talks about that. So you're absolutely right. It is a huge clue. But in the interim, it's going to be swept along. Because the false prophet, I'll just say more about it. The false prophet, who is a Catholic bishop, from according to tradition, um, prepares a false church. So he's like John the Baptist to our Lord, only the inverse. So he gets a false church going that, uh, that will be a universal false church. It will look like the Catholic church. Um, but it won't be. And, and uh, so the people will be swept along in that because they haven't discerned as they're going along. If we're not seeing that process going on right now, we're seeing a process that's a type of that process. In other words, we're, we're having a preview. When we're having things like demons put in, in, in the Vatican and, and then, and then process, pro, processed in and enthroned in, in St. Peter's, when we're seeing that people have to have, do something immoral to visit the Vatican, something gravely immoral, then you start knowing, wait a minute, we're seeing inklings of this false church all over the place. It, it's somewhat analogous. I tell people a lot of times, and again, these we, we have to discern. So these are ideas, but we don't know the exact thing because prophecy is only understood in its fulfillment. But it's somewhat analogous to what happened in England. 
in England, everybody was Catholic until one day they weren't. But it looked pretty much the same for quite a while. But it wasn't Catholic anymore. And the people that discerned and were faithful were instantly ostracized, you know, in, in most cases when they, they were hunted out and killed and all that, for just doing what they'd always done. Well, the other people that had been Catholic suddenly aren't Catholic and doing something that looked very close to Catholicism but wasn't anymore. And I would suggest that that this false church will be some kind of universal thing like that, but probably be a, a slightly bigger tent. I don't know. We're going to see. But uh, I, I, we've seen inklings of it in, the, in, in, the, in this kind of thing. What we have then is a lot of Gentiles that will actually be in the false church, and then the, the head of the false church will point to this in, as the Christ. So there will be a lot of Gentiles trick. That's why Enoch will preach to us and Elijah to the Jews. They come back during all this because God doesn't abandon us at all. They're like Moses and Aaron. They'll be right back. When the Antichrist rise up, that's when they show up on the scene. All right. Well, I guess we can uh, we can say a, a prayer.